The Courage to Lead, episode 197. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Casey Hasten. Casey is the Director of Recruiting and Coaching with VIP. She's the host of the We Are VIP podcast and soon to be a published author. After being in the accounting world for over 20 years, she made the leap to recruiting those with similar backgrounds. It's her goal to help others find their career passion using all the skills and networking outlets she has gathered. Today, Casey's mission is to help raise the consciousness of the world by helping those she touches learn to be at choice. To accomplish this mission, she focuses on the importance of mindset first and foremost, and teaches her clients how to live at choice and how to co-create their own reality through managing perceptions. This has led to her most recent passion and project, the Awaken Your Potential Journal. Uh, She's designed the journal based on her many years of journaling, and her desire was to create a combined journal for all areas of life. The journal includes sections of mindset, affirmations, efficiency, goal setting, productivity, and finance, with the overall goal of increased individual accountability. She plans to release the journal in November, and we'll have an accompanying instructional video to help you make the most of your journal. Casey, welcome to the show. And that's the show. <laughs> I feel like we just <laughs> talked about everything just right there. That is awesome. Well, you've got so much stuff going on. You're busy. I do. I, and, you know, and I love it. And, you know, really that's why I needed that journal and I needed those strategies to be able to be more efficient so that I could do more things because I've got a lot of stuff I want to do. I need to be better about journaling. I, I pick it up and I'll journal for a while and I'll put it, drop it and it'll be months before I get back to it and I'll start writing again. And I just, I love the journal. You showed me uh, some pieces of it and just how it helps you focus on those different areas. Mm-hmm. I love it. So yeah, we'll definitely, we'll come back and we'll talk about that. Plus everything else you have going on and your podcast. Uh, but first I've got some questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. These are questions made famous on the TV show inside the actor's studio where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood TV film and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Casey, if you're ready, 10 questions for you. Question number one, what is your favorite word? My favorite word is authenticity. Nice. What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on? Helping people. And what turns you off? Um, what turns me off are people that, oh, narcissist, period. <laughs> Enough said, right? Yeah. All right. What sound or noise do you love? Um, I love when my puppy, we call it, she does her tap dancing when like she wants her treat, she'll go and she'll just like go back and forth really, really quick. And it's just, I don't know. I just love that sound because I know she's happy. Exactly. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, oh, I hate it when people crack their knuckles. Hmm. Oh. Good deal. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Um, I don't really curse, but I would think that if it had, if, if I do use one, it's probably, oh, sh- 
Perfect. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. That's a good question. What profession other than my own? Um, I think I would like to do something. Um, there's an organization that I support and love where they um, help adults with disabilities enter into the workforce by providing non-traditional uh, work places for them. I think that I'd like to do that someday. Nice. Very cool. All right. What profession would you not like to do? Accounting. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know, right? Okay, we'll get we'll get to that. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You found your purpose and you lived it every day. Excellent. Excellent. That's one of the best answers I've had. Awesome. All right. So we're going to talk come back and talk about how you got your start in the oh, wasn't it accounting? And uh how you made that transition over to recruiting. Uh, we're going to talk about your podcast. We're going to talk about your book, all kinds of cool stuff. All right. So listeners will be talking about all of that and probably more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And we're back with my guest, Casey Haston. Casey, thanks again for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to talk to us. I'm so happy to have you here. So in your intro, we talked about living at choice. What does that mean? So I define living a choice as in each moment, you have a choice about how you're going to respond to the information that's given to you, right? So you can choose to look at that red light that's going to make you late for work as a bad thing and put you in a bad mood. Maybe do, you know, I call it a level two mentality, which is that lens is that anger lens or you can say, I think Zig Ziglar used to call them go lights, right? And you can look at it as a moment that you get back, that you can reflect, you can, or maybe something happened down the road that you've just been protected from, like a near miss wreck or something. You know, it's all about how you choose to see the information that's coming in and what lens you put on as you're looking at it, because it will totally change your reality. Absolutely. And why is anger like the the thing that we go to first? I don't know if it's everywhere in the world or just here in the U.S., but it just seems to be so easy to be angry about that. You know, something, an impediment, something stopping you, the red light, you know, why is that? I, I think it's primal. And I think that it takes work to rise above those natural instincts to, you know, be angry at the red light or to be angry at the coworker or to simply just respond. If you're going to, if a coworker, for example, comes at you with, and, and you could be angry and I've had this and I've, and I practice this and it does, it takes work, but it's easy to have that angry response first. And it takes much more effort to step back and say, okay, how else could I respond to this? Absolutely. Yeah. I had a, a discussion with somebody a while back 
you would say that, oh, I, I can't help it. It's just, I'm an emotional person. That's just the way it is. It's like, no, that's a choice. You yeah. choose the emotion. You can choose, like you said, at the red light to be angry. You can choose to be reflective or choose gratitude. Take a moment to be thankful for something in that red light, that pause. It's a choice. Everything is a choice. And that red light's not out to get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and most other people, your coworkers, aren't out to get you either. Right. Exactly. Um, and then you also talk about managing perceptions, right? So whose perception exactly? Your perception or other people's perception? No, no, you can't manage other people's perceptions. If you do that, you'll drive yourself crazy. I know I did that for years, trying to do things to make people think a certain way and then trying to monitor whether I accomplished that, right? That's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about managing perceptions, I'm talking about managing our own. And again, it goes back to what we just talked about. It's that lens. How do you choose to view life? Do you choose to you know, be a victim because your monkey brain is going to confirm that everywhere you look, if that's what you want to do, you know, um, are you going to be angry? You know, that is a choice, just like you said. And I don't want to hear, see, I almost used my cuss word, that BS about that's just me. I'm, that's my personality. No, it's not. You chose that personality. We all get to choose our personalities to a degree. You know, I, I could go home and be a loner. You know, I could choose to do that. And that would become my personality, right? But I don't choose to do that. I choose instead to put myself in places where I can be of service and where I can help and network. And so my perception of the world is that it is an opportunity to help others find, just like the journal, awaken. It is an awakening. And once you awaken to it, it's so beautiful because you get to create your own reality. Exactly. Very cool. Yeah, I had somebody tell me years ago, every decision, every choice you make, every minute of every day makes you who you are. Yeah. So if you don't like who you are, you don't like your circumstances, change your choices, right? Choose different. Yes. Yes. Love that. So you started off as an accountant, kind of in the accounting world for 20 years. What happened? Was it just not for you or... Um, let me take you back a little bit. Okay. So I have been kind of, and I won't call it a serial entrepreneur, but I will call it, it's definitely in my DNA. I love the shiny object over there and I love to try to solve problems. And so at a very young age, I went to work for a company. Um, and at this point, I'm very non-traditional in my career and my schooling and everything like that. So, um, I chose to have a family early. And um, so I didn't, wasn't able to go to college right away. And I went to work for a company and ended up buying the company at 23. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was just Very like, because cool. the owner was getting ready to retire. And I was like, I love what I'm doing. How do I keep doing this? And he's like, well, you can buy the company. I'm like, okay. You know, and yeah. I didn't even think about what that meant when I said, okay, at 23. Um, and so I ran the company for many, many years. Um, that's where... I started in accounting, real world accounting, right? Because I was an entrepreneur. I couldn't afford to pay somebody to do my books. I had to learn how to do them myself, right? And so um, anyway, I had a very lucrative offer from a prior teacher that I worked with who had her own business. She wanted me to come work for her. I'm like, but I'm my business. She's like, sell it. I was like, okay, because really I am the worst boss to myself ever, you know? So, and I was working myself to death. So I was like, you know what? Okay, this isn't fulfilling me anymore. 
you know? So I sold the business and went to work for her. And part of the agreement was that she would pay for me to go back to school. So that's when I went back to school. And I ended up eventually um, throughout the 13 years becoming, went to school and became the CFO for this small company. Um, After 13 years, the company ended up closing and I found myself looking for another job. And what's so interesting here and looking back, I understand why I did it for so long because in both of those situations, I was still serving people. Okay. And so her company was a consulting firm that specialized um, with schools. And so what we would do is we would work with the smaller schools. We would co-op them, the, one, the ones that couldn't afford to have their staff accountants or their you know, CPAs on board. Um, we would co-op and then we would go audit their books once a month, which was fine. I didn't enjoy that. What I did enjoy, though, was going to dinner afterwards with my clients, you know, and it was that relationship. So I was still getting fed um, my passion of helping people. But when I started looking for another accounting role after that one, um, I was talking to, I talked to several recruiters, but one in particular, and she kept showing me these jobs. I'm like, I'm going to have to sit behind a desk all day. And I don't enjoy just doing spreadsheets, you know? And she looked at me and she's like, you don't even like accounting, Casey. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And that's when she said, why don't you try out recruiting? Do recruiting for accounting and finance people. And I was like, at first I was very resistant, but the more I thought about it and the more I, and I actually went and shadowed her for a day. I was just like, oh my God, this is it. This is how I can help people. And on both sides of the equation, you're helping the, the client right? Yep. Fill a need that they have and you're helping somebody find a career path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I ended up in recruiting. And um, it's just, it's been a crazy roller coaster ride since then. You know, I cut my teeth in recruiting, but then switched to a smaller um, recruiting firm. And that's when I really began to shine because they gave me the space to grow and try new things. and. It's just, I mean, and once they gave me that little bit of permission, I went all the way. (laughs) So So that was at VIP? Yes. So shameless plug, tell me about VIP. So VIP is a small boutique um, recruiting agency. We're a third-party recruiter, and we have clients from 10 million all the way up to Fortune 500. We're industry agnostic. If you're big enough to have an accounting or finance team, we want to help you. And so, and it's run by three partners um, and they are just absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, they just, I mean, they give me space to do a podcast. They pay for the podcast. You know, I have a built-in sponsor. So it's pretty amazing. Very cool. Yeah. So tell me about your podcast. Oh my goodness. So this podcast was born out of my, again, my love for people. You know, I am a avid networker. I'm always, in fact, I'm having to kind of cut down my networking because I'm finding myself out like four and five times a week and it's just too much. Um, but I love to network because I love to give back so much to people and to connect people. That's how I, I, I can't connect people if I don't know people. Right. And I'd been doing that for a while and I got to meet some really cool people, you know, through my networking, because I don't do it just here in DFW. I do it all around the U S And I was like, these conversations are just amazing that I'm having. What if we shared them with other people? And so originally I was going to do the podcast on my own and I approached the partners and just because I was like, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to be doing a podcast. I know I'm an extension of you, so I won't embarrass you. I promise. And this is what it's going to look like. And they were like, you know what? 
that's a great idea. Why don't you do it for us and we'll pay for it? And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so we, our VIP was born and we talk about, you know, we, we really talk a lot to job seekers about how to find that better, more aligned job fit. Um, we talk a lot about mindset because like you said in the intro, it all begins with mindset. If, if you don't have, if you're going into a job thinking, I'm never going to get a job, you're never going to get a job. Exactly. And especially if you've been looking for a while and you're desperate, desperation reeks in interviews. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like going out on the dating scene. Yes. They can smell you from a mile away. Yes. And you're desperate. Yes, absolutely. It's the same thing. So that's one of the things we talk a lot about. And I bring on a lot of experts to share their wisdom, not just mine. Um, Although, you know, I see a lot through, um, you know, just dealing with clients and candidates on a regular basis. Um, But and then we also bring on um, experts to talk about the company culture. So we speak to the companies as well. And then the third thing that we do is we bring on CEOs or, you know, high C-suite level individuals from our clients to interview them, to tell, let them tell their story about why you would want to go work for them. That has been probably the best marketing tool that we have ever had. Nice. So, uh, okay. So I've got a couple of different questions rolling around in my mind. Um, With your clients, are you helping them fill a position or are you giving them like consulting people to, to do projects for them or is it a little bit of both? We do both. Actually, we have three pillars here. We do. So I'm on the direct hire side. So I'm the one you're going to come to if you have a direct hire need, somebody that's going to go straight onto your payroll. Okay. We also have contract and contract to hire. Um, and that's if you just have a temporary need, somebody's out on maternity, um, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, or maybe you're just behind on your invoices. But then we do have our solutions team that they do the more long-term projects. So think about system implementations. And what they will do is they will bring somebody in at a very high level and all the people below them, and they'll manage the entire project. And that can, depending on what it is, it, we've had some projects going on for two years. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's what I used to do as a consultant, organizational change management. So you yeah. come in and kind of help the team with the communication and everything like that. So very cool. Um, I was also going to ask you something else about uh, the the people that you work with to help them find their jobs. What's holding them back? Is it, I mean, we talked about mindset, but is it fear? Is it that imposter syndrome? What's holding them back? So uh, right now, not much with this market, <laughs> but prior, a lot of it is fear. In fact, we just had this happen the other day. This is a great example. Um, we were working with a candidate. She'd been with her company. I want to say it was either eight or 10 years, long time. That's, that's really good, almost not good tenure sure. nowadays. You know, companies don't want to see you stagnant anymore. Right, right. The days of the pensions are over. She um, had interviewed and um, it, she got the offer and she accepted. Mm-hmm. And not five minutes after she accepted, she sent her recruiter a text and she goes, I already regret it. I rescind. I'm going to stay where I'm at. <laughs> Wow. And I think a lot of that is when you've been somewhere for so long, and I and I do, I coach people on this, especially when they've been at a company 15 and 20 years, because what we'll see is that they'll they'll be at a company for 20 years, great tenure, then three months at the next one, maybe a year at the next one. And it's pure culture shock. Yeah. You know, and I have to coach my clients on that when I'm engaged with a candidate like that. I'm like, here's the psychology behind those quick moves after such great tenure. Yeah. It is scary. I mean, I, you know, I worked at Lockheed Aircraft for 10 years. 
finding that next job is scary because you're used to this, the routines, the people, you know, you know what's expected of you and what you can expect. And suddenly you're going somewhere new and it's all brand new, right? I'm starting to work with uh, people who are transitioning through COVID. They're deciding, hey, I don't want to just be loyal to this one company forever. I want to do what I need and, and uh, use my zone of genius, right? Yeah. And so they're making that transition from a full-time employee to an independent consultant. And that's a huge step too. That's that's scary for a lot of people. It is, especially if you've never done it before. Cause you're like, wait, I got to go find my own business. What? It doesn't just knock on my door. Yeah. No, I, I mean, after a while you could, right. Yes. If you make a name for yourself and stuff, but yeah, usually you're out there kind of hustling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that a difficult transition for you to go from the accounting side and the other jobs into the recruiting or is that just like a fulfillment of a dream? Um, I won't say it was a fulfillment of a dream. I never thought when I was little that I was going to grow up and be a recruiter. You know, <laughs> um, it was a different transition. I don't want to say it was difficult because I love the concept of it from the very beginning, um, especially when I realized because, you know, a lot of people think about recruiters and headhunters like used car salesmen. And the truth is, I mean, we are valuable in your job search. You know, we can give you. Like I coach every single one of my candidates before they go into an interview, they get more prep than they've probably ever had in their life. And it gives them the edge. They will get picked over candidates who've not been coached. Um, And and I'm not teaching them anything that's to be anything other than themselves, but I'm teaching them how to bring their true selves out and let it shine. So, um, but yeah, I don't think that um, I think the hardest thing for me when I switched into recruiting, because it's sales. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've not done sales before. And just the, you know, pounding out the phone calls, not having the fear of somebody hanging up on you or, you know, cussing at you because you called them while they're at work. I've had that. Sure. But I got to the point where, you know, people when you call this is back in the day, they don't do that so much anymore. Um, but when I first started doing it, I called and they hang up on me and it used to really upset me. I'm like, how rude, yeah. you know you get used to it. Everybody says that being a recruiter will make you very cynical and it does in a way towards people, but I still love them. But I got to the point where people would hang up on me and I'd call right back. And I would, and of course they'd let it go to voicemail this time. Right. Cause they know I'm a recruiter and I'm like, Hey, I am so sorry. We got disconnected. It must've been on my end. Just wanted to leave you this quick message to let you know why I was calling, you know, and just, just play it off. Yeah. No, because I've, I've had to use recruiters in, in my consulting career and, and things. You guys, I mean, you have the ins, right? You have all the connections. You know what they're looking for. And like I said, you can kind of coach through, hey, they're going to ask you about this. Here's a good response or here's a way to respond to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, well, and I, I want to say one more thing about the value of using a recruiter. We get resumes all the time. We also know, like, we get resumes from specific companies. And we know why we're getting those resumes. That could be good information for you if you're looking for a job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah, recruiting, I think, is like I said, everybody has this, this idea. Is it's, oh, it's just like used car sales. And they're just trying to push, push, push. It's like, no, here's somebody with a need. Here's somebody with a need. You're just trying to find the right match. That's all it Absolutely. is. You're a matchmaker. You're a matchmaker. Yep. And there are those recruiters out there that are only in it for the numbers. But you're going to find a lot of good ones with big hearts that are doing it because they truly want to help people. Exactly. And those are the ones you want to connect with. Yes. Absolutely. So tell me about your book. It's coming up in November. Awaken. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm so excited about this. This has been, you know, this is one of those things as an entrepreneur that you, another one of those shiny objects, right? That I was like, well, I'll just, you know, I would, what happened was I'm a journal junkie. I journal about every area of my life, obviously. And I was carrying around like four or five different journals and it was getting to be a real hassle, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, there's got to be a journal out there that's got everything in one place. And pardon me. And so um, I went out to the market to try to find that journal and it didn't exist. It wasn't out there. And so I was like, "Hmm, well, then I'll just create one. That's how I always get myself into trouble. You know, it doesn't seem like such a big deal when you just say, I'll just create one. And then the challenge began. And I figured I had originally planned to have this thing out in six months. It's now been two years. Wow. Yeah. But it has taught me a really good lesson in perseverance because I'm one of those type that I'm really bad about, like, again, the shiny objects, you know, there's one over here, there's one over here and not following through all the time. Um, But as I've been journaling and working through these strategies, like simply just writing my goals down, that's an accountability unlike any other, you know, and I love to go back and look and check it off. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do is to check off a goal, but not the only thing, because I really want to encourage people as you're working towards your goals to enjoy the journey. Yeah, that's 90% of the fun, Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, so the journal is coming out. It's based on all the strategies. I, I am a bookworm. I read like crazy. And if I find a strategy that I think might work for me, I try it on. Um, and so these are the strategies that I've tried on that work for me. Um, and it's just it's very holistic in that it's all integrated so the meat of the journal is in the daily pages it's 13 weeks and um it ties back to all the other sections so just for example so for efficiency i have you list out your morning routine and the reason i want you to do that is because a lot of times you don't realize how much time you're taking to do things because i have you write down the time too the first time i did that i was like no wonder i'm always late for work because i wasn't allowing time for like making coffee. That takes time. You know, I figure it takes me an hour to get ready. So I'll get up an hour before work, but I got to make coffee. Sure. I got to pick out my clothes. Well, those morning routines are, are important. I, I know that I have a set routine. If I do something out of sequence, it kind of throws me for a second. Mm-hmm. It's like, did I get this done? You know? Yeah. Do you, no, talk, I, do you go in that into, into the journal as far as what the yes. routine is? So I will when in the instructional videos, once they come out, um, I will definitely go over that, but I'll also give you resources for how I develop these strategies. So like for my morning routine, um, I read the book, the miracle morning, pretty much this entire journal is, has evolved from reading that book. Nice. That would probably be the first strategy that I implemented to being more efficient, more successful. But the reason I wanted to bring up the morning, um, habit loop is because you check a box each morning. I did this which ties back to your efficiency section, mm-hmm. right? right. At the, um, there's also a box under your mindset section because it's all guided. Well, except for one little free flow. Um, there's a box to check affirmations, reminding you to go read and say your affirmations out loud. Nice. So it all ties back together, right? Um, and then, um, but one thing I do want to point out, because you kind of mentioned this earlier, each day you have a morning and an evening check-in, okay? okay? In the morning, gratitude and the first thing in the evening gratitude Perfect. Yeah. 
That is so critical because I don't think we've spent enough time. Um, I talked to one guy on the podcast uh, about a week or so ago. And I asked him where his courage came from. And he said, the courage comes from gratitude. If you're grateful for something, you're going to defend that and be courageous to protect that. But yeah, you say that, that gratitude is, is key. A lot of people don't think of gratitude, right? We, we think of things that we want. We think of things that are, are bothering us or hurt us, but we don't yeah. really take time to, to think about the things that we're grateful for. And I love yeah. waking up to that. And then at night, yeah, here's what either how my day was, and I'm grateful for this, or other things you want to be grateful for. I think that's great. Yeah, I it, it is. There's so many things that have changed my life. And I know every time I'm talking about something, I'm like, well, that was the most important. Well, that was, it's all important. It's all important, you know? And I just, I'm so grateful that I have this passion for learning. I call myself a consummate student. Um, love to read, love to, you know, see how other people are doing it successfully and see if that, try it on and see if it works for me. Definitely. Yeah. Try, try something. If it, if it clicks, use it, yeah. right? If it doesn't try something else. Now, did you do the whole layout or did you have somebody help you with that? Did you do the layout of the journal? So, <laughs> kind of. So right. what I did, because I'm not, and I'm, I'm, another thing I've really learned is to recognize my zone of genius and outsource everything else okay. <laughs> and be okay with that. It's okay that I'm not sure. good at everything, right? What I am good at, I'm really good at, but what I'm not good at, I'm really bad at. Um, and, and graphic design is one of them. But what I did was I, I had a big whiteboard mm-hmm. and I would lay out like literally hen scratch layout on this whiteboard, kind of how I wanted to, to look, take a picture of it, send it to my graphic designer. Poor thing, <laughs> but she did a great job at getting this out of my head, right? And yeah. then we go back and forth, and we make changes on it. So, um, and then the other really cool thing is I hired a um, symbol and color expert mm-hmm. to do the, the graphic, the like graphics for it, not just the page layouts. It was two different people because yeah. they're not the same, right? No, the um, skill set is totally different. Yeah. Totally different. They may use the same software, but they're totally different. I'm learning that too. Lots of mistakes going through this, but that's okay. It was fun. I met a lot of great people. Um, but so I hired this color and symbol expert to curate the um, graphics for each of the sections. And so when you look at these graphics, hopefully the hope is it's going to draw out an emotion around that area of your life. Nice. So explain uh, for the listeners, what are the graphics? What is it, the colors and what does it symbolize? So it's definitely, um, like, for example, for mindset, there's a picture of a guy, um, well, it could be a girl, it's very gender neutral, okay. um, sitting on a lotus plant okay. with pink and light blues, um, sitting in an ohm position okay. with the yeah. ohm symbol behind the head. So the colors play into this, right? The colors Absolutely. are calming and, and everything like that. The symbolism, you know, for yep. the, the meditation and stuff. Very cool. And so how many different graphics are, are through the, the book? Um, including the cover. I, there's probably about 12 to 15 different nice. graphics. Depend, I mean, there's there's six major plus the cover. Um, but there's other little graphics throughout, like behind where you sign. Because I do have you sign an agreement at the beginning nice. of the journal. Nice. Um, behind that where you sign is our symbol, our graphic for accountability which is the basis of the whole book. Yep. Very cool. 
That took a lot of planning. No wonder it took two years to get it out. <laughs> That's great. And the, the journal, is it one page at a time or do you open the book up and have two pages to work or is it in those five or six different sections? So it's definitely in six different sections. It's coil bound. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Each quarter has 404 pages. Wow. Yeah. So each section, um, it just depends on the section that you're in, but like on the daily pages, you've got two pages and you just open it right up. You can fold it back if you want to, because I, the way I designed it. So on the left of your daily pages, that's your mindset and your personal information. So like your health, you know, your quote for the day, your free flow so that you can write down your thoughts and get stuff out. Sometimes I use this to write down my dreams. Go. So on the right side is your productivity. So that's going to have your big three, your to-do list, your, um, your daily schedule. Cause I write down my daily schedule every morning. I'm a big believer in writing stuff down. So, well, writing it, I mean, and I've heard other people say that. I know my wife is a big journaler. If she writes something down, it's more likely that it'll actually happen. Yes. You can say, well, I've got it on my calendar. Well, yeah, but you're not looking at your calendar, going through the motion of actually writing it embeds it. And you, yep. you follow through. You know why? Hmm. Why? It's called double encoding. Okay. And what that does is when you write it down, your brain stores the information in one part of your brain. But when you look at it, it takes a picture and it stores it in a different part. Oops. So you have two different parts of your mind working on the problem. Wow. That's why it's so important to write down your goals. Absolutely. And then, you know, um, a lot of, People talk about subconscious mind, how you, if you go to bed and you ask a question, your subconscious is working on it while you're sleeping. When you wake up in the morning, you usually have a solution or an answer or something like that. Yep. I bet it works the same way with that. When you talk about things you're grateful for and the things you've accomplished today, maybe you want to accomplish tomorrow. Your brain has worked on it. How can we get this done? And then mm -hmm. you're ready to go. And along those same lines in the mindset section that I ask you to do in the morning, it's important it asks what your intention for the day is. And so, and when you do that, you don't even have to remember what you wrote down, but your brain's going to focus on that. It's like a roadmap to what you're going to get done that day. Very cool. All right. So you talk about videos too. You're going to have some videos to help walk through the process. I am absolutely each section. The videos are ready to go. Um, the, the reason they haven't been recorded yet is because we're waiting on the final um, version of the uh journal to come out. Um, I wanted it to be very true to what you were seeing as we go through the instructional videos together. And we've made some changes from the first version that we had, sure. that we had printed and sent to our beta testers, which we fully expected, you know, to get some feedback on some changes that needed to be made. And so now we finally got those done. The journal is at the printers as we speak, and um, we are planning to do a launch, an official launch in November, but we nice. will we will have an opportunity for pre-orders probably um, in October. Very cool. Good stuff. And where will that be available? Um, it's going to be available on my website, which is really simple. It's caseyhaston.com. Okay. Um, and also in, on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Very cool. And the videos will then be available. Is there a link in the book that takes you to the, the videos? There's a link on almost every page that takes you Excellent. to the videos. Excellent. Very cool. And one other thing I want to mention that, you know, I don't just throw these strategies at you. I will give you a list of the resources where I develop these strategies from. Very cool. I said, yeah, you put a lot of work into this. So, which brings me to the topic of the podcast, Courage. 
writing a book is courageous, right? Putting something like that together, changing careers takes courage. All of that takes courage. Where did your courage come from? I think my courage came from the fact that I was always told as I was growing up that I could do whatever I wanted and I believed them. <laughs> you know, I just, I really felt like, and, and I surround myself with very strong people that can, when I might not be feeling so courageous, they prop me up. And for example, um, okay, I'm going to take you way back for just a second. Okay. Sure. Cause I think this is really summarizes where my courage comes from. When I was 13, we were out um, at a friend's house and everybody was riding dirt bikes. And I told my dad, I was like, I want to ride the dirt bike. And he's like, get on the back. I said, you get off, you know? And so I got on the dirt bike and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much that my dad ended up buying me one and I ended up racing. Nice. So I was the second in the state of Texas. Very cool. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess I just felt like if I could do that, I could do anything. And the other thing where my courage comes from, kind of what we talked about earlier, I don't try to manage the perceptions of others. If you like what I have to offer, great, because I created this for me. It just so happens other people have liked it along the way. Um, if you don't like it, that's okay. You find what works for you. It's not for everybody. That's why there's hundreds and hundreds of different journals out there, right? Exactly. Um, but I really apply that to everything I do. You know, when I started the podcast, I had a lot of people that were like, who do you think you are? And I'm like, <laughs> Kathy Haston. That's who I am. I'm just doing a podcast. You don't have to watch it. Yeah. You don't have to listen to it. So I, I think that's what courage looks like to me. Excellent. Very cool. So what's next? I mean, you've, you've done so much. You've got a lot on your plate right now and stuff, but what's next for you? Um, what is next is I have been my, another one of my passions is really working with young professionals. And so I have been, I'm a part of a large networking organization in the area that's been going on for 34 years. And we've just recently started a young executives um, initiative. And so VIP is sponsoring this initiative. I'm so proud of my company. They just keep doing things. They keep saying yes to me. Um, and so I've been working very closely with my young executives to teach them the importance of networking, to teach them how to find resources through networking. Um, but the other thing is, um, you know, this organization has been led by the founder for 34 years yeah. and he's ready to retire. And so I will be stepping up as the new leader for this organization. That is awesome. Congratulations. Yes. That's great. Thank you. Thank do you, you want to do a plug for the organization? Um, I do, but I don't want to do it yet because it has not been made official. Okay. No so, worries. We'll but I will comment later on. <laughs> we'll look for the announcement. Absolutely. Yes. Very cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I knew it would be. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find more about you and your programs and everything like that, they can probably reach you for VIP, but then also for your book. How Absolutely. can they do that? What are your websites? Um, best website to reach me is caseyhaston.com. There's okay. a contact uh, contact me form on the website, but you can also reach out to me directly at hello at caseyhaston.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I am very active on LinkedIn. So look for me there and look for my post and see what all fun stuff is going on. Excellent. And there will be a big announcement when the book is available, right? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Very cool. All right. I will put those links in the show notes. And when the book is available, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can, can find that. Thank you. Very cool. Casey, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. It has been fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. Definitely check out Casey's book when it is available. Um, and we'll make sure that that link is in the show notes when it is available for you. And uh, yeah, order a book and pre-orders. When are pre-orders going to be available? We're shooting for October. Excellent. Very cool. All right. Be on the lookout for that. All right. And make sure you share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for having me.